you're listening to KDT Music and Review. And our artist today is R.G. Ingersoll's, and this is show number four. And it's a song in search of its singer. And I hope you've enjoyed this, and thank you for joining us again. And we're going to continue with Motown's executive producer, R.G. Ingersoll. And we're going to start off with G.C. Cameron's Cooley High. Where's the music? Oh, goodness. What are we talking about? <laughs> Writing songs for the song Cooley High. Darji and Lee Rogers actually had the song. And it's underneath it. You can hear it. And this was done for G.C. Cameron. And then at the last minute, they flipped and picked another song. Isn't that amazing? Well, that was nothing new. As you know, Kenny, you'd be walking down the hallways, you know, tight and, and, you know, having a good time with one of your co-writers from one of the other departments. And all of a sudden, here come with that PA system through all five floors at Motown building there. Uh, material wanted for Miss Ross. $1,000 bonus. And the next minute, man, these guys had knives ready to cut your throat to get their tune in there before yours. You know, it was like a free-for-all there you know Gwen had one thing that was quite unique but when you got a lot of money you can do this Gwen's technique we know her office had two doors crazy as it is she'd bring in one producer at a time and give them the same song cassette of the same song remember that yeah 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 she had a I remember the Friday meetings you remember that you know, all the producers uh, would bring their assignments in. The results of the studio work, you know, he, he, about three tunes. That was it. We were only allowed to go in and cut three tunes at a shot before we got an approval to go do three more the next week, you know. And it was like, you better have, you know, one out of that three. You're going to be humiliated big time. If, if the rest of the producers don't laugh at you, she's going to rub your nose in it if it's terrible. Talk about spending her money like that and stuff, you know. So that, yeah, it was, you know, getting to answer your question. We, yeah, it, it was, it, it was like show and tell on Friday. You don't get a paycheck. <laughs> <laughs> we, as writers, in the early days of our writing career, we had to turn in 12 songs a week. And hope that only three out of that 10, 12 tunes would be approved for a budget to go in and cut. And they had, and they just went, you know, uh, tunes, as you know, Kenny, for uh, Motown artists. They were for everybody and every at every other label in the world that had something out uh, that might need a new tune. Gwen's had a habit, you know, of listening to our songs. And I was gone throwing ones away. Oh, I don't want that one. I don't want that one. And every once in a while, we lucked out and one would, she'd throw back at us would rock the charts. <laughs> Cardella de Milo. Well, now, if, the, if you, I don't know if you, on your show here, if, you know, we're allowed to talk about, you know, uh, industry espionage. You can do that. Oh, we can? Okay, fine. Well, you know. 
should hit the fan when we release Thousand Shadows under Gwen's approval big time because we had found out that the company had spent several hundred thousands of dollars on these three acts okay at the same time we let Thousand Shadows go well Thousand Shadows went up the chart and the other three acts didn't hardly go nowhere behind all that money it was spent well in those days as you know Kenny uh, in order to convince a label that you had good product you had to show sales and, and, and a whole lot of noise behind it before they would change their mind and pick it up well in Gwen's case it worked just the opposite it pissed them off <laughs> I mean, you you know, on, on Go For It Sucker and Thousand Shadows, she spent over $20,000 on this stuff on us, okay? And when the board turned us down two times in a row because it wasn't black enough, it pissed her off. And that's why she told us to go ahead and run with it. We'll come back and pick it up. Never dreaming that it would really add more fire, more gas to the fire with her personal feud with the corporation. And that's what happened. We're listening to R.G. Ingersoll and he just tuned in. This is SDC Radio Networks. Oh, yes. Music and Review, KDT and Radio 1 Networks. There you hear Mr. Ingersoll in the back. I tell you, you can only have a good time with this young man, I tell you. We're going to take a break. I'm talking to R.G. Ingersoll if you just tuned in. i tell you what. Last man standing at Motown Records. i tell you what. Kid started young. Got this far. Hey, we're the old men in the business now. You know, it is so kind of hard trying to be old <laughs> nobody listen to us yeah I can I can tell you an early childhood thing Kenny uh, you know music is kind of like you know change the change the tide for me and uh, and I mean in the respect I can go my first my, my first encounter with, with, with music was in a galvanized tub and as I said earlier the tide changed with me. I learned to love music and make bubbles with tide in the galvanized tub all at one time. And the name of the song was by Hank Snow, and it was called Moving On. Hey, pretty mama, moving down the track. Don't you love another daddy ain't coming back? I'm moving on. Oh, I'm moving on. Oh, I'm moving on. Bubbles. I was, I was make. I never knew what bubbles were. It seemed like, you know, and that tide. Boy, I was having fun in that old galvanized tub, making bubbles and and grooving and moving on. Hey, well, let's let everybody know you didn't fall off no turnip truck. You have a very famous mother, Miss George Joyce. She gonna kick my butt if I misspell her But I got my new dentures in. Please forgive me, Miss Joyce Page. Stan Kenton Orchestra. Come on, let's talk about this wonderful lady. 
Moms. We called her moms. Uh, you know, I, I know a whole lot about it, but then again, I don't know a whole lot about it. I can highlight what I do know and what I, you know, uh, and the rest is what family has told me and what moms have told us, you know. Well, first of all, you was, she was only 16, so technically you really wasn't born. Yeah, right, something like that. Uh, she, uh, had her, you know, long story short, she had her own radio show at WWJ, uh, with the Danny Thomas Hour. Uh, her and Danny Thomas shared the show, and she was with several of the big, big bands. Dan Kenton, uh, Lee Dorsey, I think, uh, uh, quite a, you know, quite a few, uh, could possibly be, she would tour as a vocalist. Okay, and then she met my dad, who was a keyboardist in one of those big bands. And, you know, one note led to another. (laughs) 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 Before you knew it, they were making music. How come you? (laughs) Yeah, right. Boogie, boogie, boogie. (laughs) You know, earlier we were talking about our mentor, the late Lee Rogers Creighton. Uh, We always have fun stories. I mean, like I said, hey, we were we're no angels. None of us ever were, and we never professed to be. Only thing we're known for is being good to our fellow man and being kind and nice to our fellow man. You know, and that's all we really want to be known for is being one that stood up for our fellow man. And I don't think God gonna be mad at us for that, is he? No. As long as we keep preaching, the possible is the word impossible don't work in other words when i was raised up my mother told me in our house there was two words that never existed and those were can't and won't didn't work wasn't in the vocabulary that's right you know hey proofs in the pudding you know i mean excuses are excuses but getting it done is where it's at there are you know as you know kenny there are achievers and there's non-achievers what can we say? And you know that's true. I'll tell you one thing. Here's a kid in early Detroit, right at the crown height of Motown. The white hot smoking machine cutting everything up and down in its path. Barry Gordy was buying everything in Detroit that was not tied down music wise and only one or two people survived out of the crush from Motown here we know that Barry controlled the airwaves but there was another secret that people forgot was that Lee Rogers and other artists from Detroit they controlled the jukeboxes yeah that's uh, very true I mean Mr. Gordy uh, was very ruthless. He bought up every record company he could find. And all the artists that were stuck on those labels stayed stuck. And I'm sure Barry went through the whole roster of every one of them and picked out the best what he thought was happening. You know, I don't know for sure, but I do know that was one of our worries before we uh, teamed up with Aretha and them for a minute. Barry buying all the labels. Hey, let's talk about the Ohio players. How'd they get out? What happened? 
I, hey, well, I think it's with Westbound. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, what artists that weren't signed in town were scared to death of Motown because of what they had done with the, you know, with the other artists on the other labels they had bought. Everybody was frozen time. So uh, the only one that was really safe uh, that I that I knew of was uh, Ted White and Aretha's deal with Atlantic. Now that was a safe option to go, but uh, unfortunately, you know, uh, we uh, we didn't seize the opportunity, and uh, out of paranoia of what was, you know, Lee. You know, my artist that I was working and learning from and trying to produce and writing for, uh, we uh, we didn't seize the opportunity and we to be offered to go with Atlantic, but we sure did learn a lot there. I did. I learned a lot in Aretha's house. You know, a whole lot. I got to work with uh, Ted White himself and uh, the uh, Sir Mac Rice, <laughs> Ronnie Shadid. As a matter of fact, Kenny, I, I think I wrote my first tune. It, it was it, with Ronnie and Mac. I think Mac got on, got on me saying, you know, like, hey, you know, grab your pen or something, you know. You can write, too, you know. And I'm watching all these cats write. You know, I, Mac walked in the door with Cheaper to Keeper on a guitar. At 9 o'clock in the morning, I never will forget it. He walked in the door with that tune, Cheaper to Keeper. You know, and, it, and I looked over at Ted. I had gotten there a, little, a few minutes before, and we were drinking some coffee. Aretha was still upstairs asleep. And uh, here come Mac Rice through the door strumming. He didn't even say good morning. He just comes through the door strumming. I got one. I got one. I got one. <laughs> it's cheaper to keep her. You know. So, you know, it was like one of those type environments. You know, Ronnie Shannon was great. He was kind of quiet, but he was lethal with his pen, you know. But Ted now, Ted was the, uh, my main influence, Ted White. You've been listening to KDT and Radio 1's Music Interview. This is Ken Smith. Thanks for listening. This has been a production of SDC Radio Networks, a division of SDC Omnimedia Group. This has been your host, Kenny Smith. We thank you for listening.